This is Maddie reporting from the Youth Media Center at SLV Radio. Welcome back for part two of a three-part series about the impact of resource inequalities on STEM education. While in part one, I pointed out how education is impacted by wealth inequalities, it is also affected by many in-school factors, such as having qualified staff and updated facilities to support STEM learning. First, inequalities in education that affect student preparedness for STEM courses in college could have arisen from inadequate teaching. To clarify, without qualified teachers instructing hands-on, complex STEM-based classes, students can become discouraged from pursuing STEM before even fully understanding the subject if they do not have the educational support to succeed. One of the potential solutions to this is professional development for teachers. Further, more research exploring the best methods for teaching STEM could help lead to the creation of new educational policies that could improve student learning in schools. James Edgewell, an associate professor in the Industrial System and Technology Program at Jackson State University, has done extensive research on curriculum development and technology administration in schools. In his journal article, he suggests that teachers should aim for extensive, in-depth content knowledge and strong teaching skills in their subject area in order to prepare students interested in pursuing STEM in higher education. He states, quote, Professional development should be encouraged and continue to train teachers in effective classroom management to update their knowledge in the modern trend of teaching STEM, end quote. When teachers continually further their own learning, whether they do so independently or through professional training, as Edgy Whale suggests, they will be able to better support students with updated STEM teaching, an important adjustment that helps ensure students are receiving the highest quality of STEM education possible. Besides having expert instructors, school building facilities also affect the STEM curriculum. According to the National School Boards Association, quote, most schools' facilities used for learning today were constructed before World War II, and 40% were not built for STEM education, but rather for industrial arts, end quote. Outdated facilities could have a negative effect on STEM programs in schools. Students interested in engineering or manufacturing would benefit from school facilities designed for industrial arts, but this could result in an unbalanced education focused solely on hands-on building activities while unintentionally excluding vital areas of STEM, like biology and chemistry, which require different materials for lab work and experiments. Similarly, an article from the Penn State Center for Evaluation and Education Policy Analysis Department, titled the importance of school facilities in improving student outcomes, commented that, quote, older buildings simply are not conducive to the teaching of 21st century skills. This is particularly true with respect to reconfiguring seating arrangements to facilitate various modes of teaching and learning and the use of technology in the classroom, end quote. However, as we consider how teaching staff and building facilities might affect STEM education, we must also take a look at the metrics we use for evaluating student learning. Often, student competency and understanding of a subject cannot fully be measured by the standards set forth by aptitude tests, like the SAT or ACT, as well as other international tests. When students do not meet these standards, it is easy for people to make the negative assumption that students are failing or not retaining knowledge from class. Because higher-income families can afford to enroll their children in SAT or ACT practice resources, 
their children's test scores will improve. In contrast, students from less affluent families might not have access to the same prep material or have the time to study for these tests, and their scores can appear alarming when scores from both groups are compared. Bateman pointed out that these metrics for defining student proficiency could negatively impact attempts to encourage student learning, particularly in STEM. We could talk about standardized testing, and we come out kind of middle of the road as a country. But what do those standardized tests measure? So when we're talking about things like the NAEP assessment, or they talk about PISA, these are two international assessments, two assessments that are given across the board, and they'll often gauge us as, oh my God, the children are failing. But if you go into a classroom and you talk to children and you talk to teachers, it's often not the case. And it depends on what your metric is. In my mind, we have always room for growth. There's always space for us to do better. But to say that we're failing, I think is, is a stretch. I think that that is a fatalistic and hopeless approach to science and STEM education. When standardized testing scores are used to write off students as falling behind, students can become discouraged in their abilities in STEM. As she points out, when people look beyond the scores and interact with students in class, they can begin to see that there are actually many promising signs of student learning that cannot always be accurately represented by performance on a single test. Making comparisons between international test scores is also tricky as schools are organized differently leading to large differences in curriculum across countries when educators teach the same subject in different ways. A more positive, balanced assessment of how students are performing academically could help schools to better determine the effectiveness of the current curriculum and adjust it accordingly to support student learning. As STEM concepts weave their way into almost all aspects of our everyday lives, It is important for students to have basic foundational STEM knowledge to be able to understand how the world around them works and how to make good, socially conscious decisions. We've talked about various factors at play that leave gaps in achieving an effective STEM education, as well as how we measure student success in these areas. In the third and final part of the series, I'll talk about the positive changes taking place in STEM education, where educators can get creative about their approach to STEM teaching.